Welcome to Kiss of Life. I'm Jill Hoy, and this is my true, unscripted story about how a wonderful but unexpected kiss, combined with an unwavering faith in the guidance of my heart, takes me away from my seemingly perfect and fabulous life to begin an amazing spiritual journey on the other side of the world. On August the 8th, 2003, we moved to Hong Kong. And I remember checking in at uh, the Cathay Pacific counter and at Heathrow Airport with our 13 suitcases. And uh, we were on our way, super excited to be going to begin this new life in Hong Kong. And we were living in the most beautiful duplex apartment on the top floor of a building which was actually um, a building which Gordon's parents had built some years earlier. Uh, They'd knocked down their family home where Gordon was actually born and had built this um, 20-story apartment block. And the apartment had the most stunning views over the South China uh, Sea and we lived just in front of the beach. I mean, it was just magical. It was beautiful. Uh, And anyway, it took some time for us to renovate the two floors, especially as Hong Kong had closed its borders due to an outbreak of SARS, uh, which is, I don't know, sometimes known as bird flu in other places. And we were not allowed to fly into Hong Kong. And so the interior spec had to be not only perfect, but really precise. So we had to do all of it by email and uh, and by telephone. And luckily, from my design course and my training, I was super clear about what I wanted and how I wanted everything to look. And I had been keeping this scrapbook of designs and cutting out things from interior magazines and things which I liked for some time. And, and I named this scrapbook my dream home scrapbook. And to be honest, though, I never imagined that one day I would be using pretty much every reference I glued into it for for my dream home. Um, and Gordon and I, I guess we were kind of like the perfect team because he was a trained architect. So he was able to work out all of the spaces and all of the structural parts. And he left me completely in charge of all the decoration. And... Um, Though I say so myself, uh, it was it was perfect. It was a beautiful, beautiful home, and uh, our wonderful interior designer Angela Hall carried out our wishes absolutely perfectly. So we arrived in Hong Kong, and we literally turned the key in the door, and it was exactly as I had dreamed it would be. And I loved our new home. So. As I said before, we had the most stunning views over the South China Sea, living just in front of the beach in Deep Water Bay. And the boys started their new school and made some really lovely friends. And uh, Gordon was working and loving it. Turned out he was really good at working as well. And um, we spent nearly all our weekends on our boat, meeting up with with friends on the beach or uh, having a barbecue. Or sometimes we go and sleep overnight on the boat in some of the remote bays and the outer lying islands. And sometimes we'd just take the boat out and drop us off. They would drop us off, the boat boy and the captain would drop us off at some of the the beautiful hiking trails. It was just 
such a beautiful life. Uh, I mean, it was just wonderful weather. We had so much help. Uh, the boys were happy. Uh, I was happy. Uh, and I thought I'd lived, I thought I'd lived there forever. It was, it was my home. And I loved my new life there. I loved living in Hong Kong. So anyway, we'd been living there for about five months and life was really good. The boys were settling into their new life really well. Alex was playing tennis for the Hong Kong Country Club junior team, which he was really enjoying. And Lucas was in the school football team and they had golf lessons after school. And, um, oh, and they also somehow managed to rope me into having wakeboarding lessons with them every Thursday afternoon, which, um, I must be honest, I absolutely hated, but um, I did because I thought, no, 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 we have to all sort of join in and, and experience all these things together. And so our boat captain would bring the speedboat round into the into deep water bay, into the beach where we lived, and so that we could all have a go. Anyway, Lucas didn't really like it very much, but uh, Alex was great at it. He was learning to jump the waves and he was doing all these tricks. Um, but as for me, I wasn't really that keen about getting my hair wet. And all I kept thinking about the whole time when I was on the board was that I didn't want to knock my teeth out or break my nose. That absolutely terrified me. However, I was like onward and forward. And uh, and I never actually fell. I, I And I never got my hair wet, much to our captain's frustration. So whenever I went out into the wake and I thought, you know, oh, my goodness, it's getting a bit rough, I'm going a bit too fast, or I'm, I'm losing control. I would just throw the rope. And it used to drive him crazy. He'd be shouting at me, go, Mrs. Hoy, pick up the rope. And I would just let the rope go. And then on my board, I would just kind of like very um, sort of elegantly um, sink into the water. But I always managed to keep my head above the water. So I think I'm probably the only person that's ever been able to wakeboard and not get their hair wet. <laughs> anyway, so um, so we had just had our first Christmas and our new year in, in, our, in our new home. And it was the beginning of January. And Gordon was getting ready to go to London on a business trip. I thought we had got our marriage back on track. Uh, we seemed to be really happy and settled and, and we, we'd sort of got into this rhythm and it was just, it was, I, I thought life was pretty wonderful. But how wrong I was. So Gordon's flight to London was very late at night. It was like around midnight. And the boys had already gone to bed because they had school the next day. And I had, I was ready for bed, but I'd come downstairs uh, Gordon was downstairs and I had come down to tell him something and he, but he was out on the he was out on the terrace smoking and um, I saw that as I came down I saw his phone was on the table just near the terrace doors and I saw that his phone was buzzing and this was um, this is back in the days of like having Nokia phones so they weren't anywhere near as sophisticated as they are now so anyway so I saw his phone was buzzing and I'd never, you know, I never thought to look at it. I, I just decided, you know, that if I was going to start this life again with him and that we were going to begin this fabulous uh, life in Hong Kong, that I needed to trust him. And so therefore, um, I wasn't going to be checking anything. So anyway, so I, I casually just picked up his phone and I gently tapped it on the window and I sort of pointed at it through the window as he looked at me and I said, your phone's ringing. Anyway, 
And he just waved at me and said, oh, don't worry, I'm, I'm coming in now, just finish my smoke. So I put the phone back down on the table, again, without looking at it. But I must have touched something or I must have, um, when I tapped it on the window or something, I must have done something because uh, when I put the phone down, I saw this message, which was um, obviously from one of his um, encounters. And it said something like, I, I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to see you in London. I've missed you again. I've missed you so much, something like that. And my heart sank. I mean, I was just, I was completely calm. I was completely quiet. And Gordon came in and, and saw my face and um, and I just very calmly said to him, you have a message. And I went up to my bedroom. And a few moments later, he followed me, clearly panicking. But I was so calm. And all I kept thinking to myself was, it's okay, Jill. You've been here before. You know how this feels. You know how to deal with this. And my heart was so heavy with disappointment and hurt. But I was... I was still quiet. I mean, I was quietly kind of reeling. I mean, we were five months into our new life here in Hong Kong. And it was like, wow, and he's already back to his old tricks. I mean, I was just devastated, heartbroken. But all I kept thinking was, no, I'm not going to spoil anything regarding the happiness of my two boys. They were my absolutely my number one priority. So anyway, so Gordon was sort of panicking and saying, oh, I'll cancel the trip and I won't go and, you know, I'm so sorry and all this. And I just told him, no, please go. And I just kind of wanted to be alone to digest this by myself. And I, I needed to work out what I was going to do. And I just needed him to go. So, and I needed to work out how I was going to stay in this marriage and find my own happiness. So... And just to sort of give you the background, I had bought an apartment in London before we had left for Hong Kong, um, but it was still being built. It still it was a new construction. It wasn't finished, and our family house was was rented out, and all of Gordon's other properties were already rented out. So there was nowhere for me to go, and I I was thinking, why would I go back to London? Why was I why would I even think about uprooting my children when I've just moved them here? They're just settling in. And especially as they were just beginning to find their feet. So anyway, so Gordon went to London and um, he went off on his trip and, and I sort of carried on as usual. And I was invited whilst he was away to a birthday party. And it was um, the birthday party of the wife of my lovely friend, Bruce. And just going back just going back for a moment, when I was in London having trouble, you know, with the marriage, when I first discovered that, you know, we had we had some problems, I actually rang Bruce in Hong Kong and I asked him for advice. And he he is just so gentle and so non-judgmental. And he had known Gordon and Gordon's family for such a very long time. And I knew without a doubt that I could I could completely trust him. And Anyway, so he invited me to his wife's uh, birthday, which was going to be this party. And I went alone. And I think Bruce must have known without me saying a word, because I decided I'm not going to say a word to anybody. I'm not going to tell my friends. I'm, not, I'm obviously not going to tell my parents. I'm just going to get on with this by myself. And so 
um, he must have known without me saying a word about my sort of the latest episode that I was in trouble. So at the party, um, he and his business partner, Colin, suggested that I try yoga. So, and they were like, yoga will be great for you. It'll be amazing for you. And Bruce and Colin, just to give you the background, they own uh, a chain of yoga studios, which I believe uh, are the largest chain of yoga studios in the world. And they are the most beautiful yoga studios you've ever seen. And if you kind of imagine um, a Four Seasons, you know, a, the Four Seasons Spa and doing yoga in that kind of environment, this is their yoga studio. This is pure yoga. So... Um, Anyway, and so they 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 told me, you know, um, yoga would be really good for you, and you love India so much, and we have this amazing Indian teacher who would be just perfect for you. And so they recommended uh, a teacher called Dr. Varun Veer, who's an Indian master who was teaching a classical Hatha practice. So after the party, you know, I'm I'm thinking about it, and I thought about it a lot, and I thought, well, you know, the such good friends and they always look out for me and they're super kind to me and um and I thought mm, maybe I should just go and try one class just so I can at least say okay I tried it so I clearly very clearly had no idea what to expect and went along to pure yoga in Causeway Bay and entered the classroom and immediately went straight to the back to the corner mat and sat down cross-legged like everybody else and we were sitting in silence waiting for the teacher to arrive and as I looked around the class and we waited for Varun I couldn't understand why everyone was kind of looking at me and all I kept thinking was bitches bitches why are they all staring at me anyway and I was thinking, yoga people are supposed to be really kind. You know, why are they all looking at me and then sort of like almost tutting under their breath? And then somebody on the next mat to me quietly whispered, you need to take your shoes off and leave them outside. And I was like, oh my God, because I had sneakers on. I had no idea. I just sort of like walked in, probably walked across some of the mats as well. I have no idea. I don't remember that bit. Um, but I, I walked in with my sneakers on and I was thinking, oh my God, we do yoga with bare feet? What? I mean, I had no idea. Anyway, I sort of um, crept out, took my shoes out, very embarrassed, left them outside, came back into the classroom and we began, Varun came in and I struggled all the way through the class. And for those of you who have practiced yoga and may remember your first class, yoga is not easy at the beginning. And, you know, you may go to the gym and think you're like super strong and, and oh yeah, yoga, we just sit there cross-legged, you know, humming and omming and whatever. But it's not, it, that is not a yoga practice at all. So anyway, I found it really, really difficult. But at the end of the class, uh, we sat in meditation for some time and Varun guided us into a very simple breathing exercise. And oh, how I loved this. I mean, suddenly, my, I can remember, even now, I can remember the sensation that I felt. Suddenly my head was completely light and my heart felt light and 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 nothing nothing troubled me, nothing was worrying me. And I experienced this immense feeling of complete calm and peace. 
and and this sort of peace like washed over my whole body and I remember thinking I just want to stay in this space I just want to stay in this moment for you know forever and it was just so wonderful and when the class finished um, I was sort of waiting until the very end to leave the class and Varun was holding the door open and he was sort of quietly, you know, saying hello to people that he knew and saying goodbye to everybody from the class. And I was sort of hanging back thinking, oh, he might go, he might go before, you know, before I get to the door. But he didn't. He waited for me. So he was patiently standing there waiting for me. But I didn't have to say a word. I looked at him and he knew instantly that I had just experienced something quite profound and that I didn't wish to speak and he was so lovely he was so gentle and he smiled at me and he just said don't worry I know you don't want to speak but we'll talk about it the next time you come to class and 20 years later Dr. Varun Veer is still my teacher Thank you for listening. I hope you found something in my story that maybe made you take a pause, or perhaps sparked your interest, or just simply inspired you to follow your heart. If you did, then please give Kiss of Life a like and a follow. And of course, don't forget to tell all of your friends. That would be amazing. Sending you all love and light. Thank you. This podcast was edited and hosted by Ivan Gluckman, with music by Lucas Hoy. Original artwork by Chandre Bouchot. True and unscripted storytelling by Jill Hoy, with direction from me, Matt Penman. <laughs>